everybody. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to The Forecast, episode 90. The Forecast is a bi-weekly podcast produced every other Thursday. We're a group of people who love exploring and discussing all kinds of things, from board games to video games to movies to film. Uh, if you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash We Are The Horizon Community, or you can check out our website at wearethehorizon.com. Additionally, we have a ton of original content for you to browse through on our website. And everything we talk about, we put into our cast notes, which is pushed out to whatever podcasting app you're using. Uh, I am your host, Aaron, and I'm joined by a couple additional peeps this week. Owen. Hey, how's it going? Jake. I'm Jake. Alex. Captain reporting for duty. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Caleb. That's me. And I have a couple of guests with us this week, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Buddy from the Some Derps Talk About Games podcast. We've been doing lots of crossovers recently. You might recognize me from the Community Cast's, what, second episode? Yep, episode Yeah, two. yeah, okay. Uh, and then I'm joined by my co-host... The Mango. Uh, if you're a fan of our podcast, which uh, all 15 of you out there, please come listen to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you'll know me from that. Oh but gosh, yeah. you sound you sound just like us. All fifteen of you, yeah. We we <laughs> get excited about this one guy who watches all of our YouTube videos. <laughs> Comments we on everyone. We had that guy when we were Twitch streaming, and his name was Jackie Chan Opera Singer, right? And Ooh. we we all loved him because he was like so cool, so nice in Twitch chat. And then he turned out to be one of our friends who for a year and a half <laughs> oh, had my been gosh. just like secretly pretending that he was some rando that we had picked up. So okay, yes. Jux ends up being somebody. That that we know who's just been posting on our videos just yeah, to get us oh <laughs> just oh, yeah, is sitting there like oh no buddy he found me out i'm gonna get found out no <laughs> oh my gosh it's, it's just well, brock never. that's yeah it probably is just brock oh my gosh <laughs> oh <I'm> killing <laughs> ruining everything uh let's start with what we start with every week which is what have you been playing lately and owen since you complain all the time we'll start with you wow Okay, cool. Um, So uh, I'm going to go from the game that I've played the shortest to the game that I've played the most over the past two weeks. Uh, I did just buy Planet Zoo, which is also by the same people that did Planet Coaster. Uh, It's just kind of like a zoo tycoon building game uh, with like a lot of emphasis on how realistic the animals are inside of the uh, inside of their habitats and everything. And I bought it on a whim just for something to do one night. And I like their part of the gameplay is like, oh, yeah, you know, you can click this button and the camera will follow around the animal as it runs through its habitat. So I did that. And the first thing that happens is like this is the first thing that happens in the game. It puts me in the game. It says, hey, click the the camera so you can follow around this bear i follow around the bear the bear shits on the camera <laughs> god bless <laughs> best game i've played <laughs> it, it is by far 45 dollars well spent i did not know that was happening i just like hear a noise and just see brown things and i don't see anything else and i was like i think that bear just shit on the camera <laughs> and then, then i like kind of like move it around so i'm no longer like clipped inside of the poop and i was like sure enough it did and i was like perfect i love this game um there's another game uh that i bought and this game i've i need to recommend to everybody just for the love of god buy and play this game it is absolutely stunning, amazing. This is the best game I've probably played in 2019. I don't like if it's not the best, it's definitely a runner up to it. 
uh, and it's called Sayonara Wild Hearts. Um, I can't stop playing this game. It's graphically beautiful. Uh, the soundtrack is dope as hell. The gameplay is extremely fun. You're just kind of like moving your character on some sort of vehicle or things from left to right uh, and the uh, to try to like collect coins and things like that or to dodge um, rockets or things or whatever. And it's very chaotic, but it's such a beautiful and fun, simple like arcade game. And it's great. And it's 13 fucking dollars. Um, and I just... Wow, I cannot sure describe that we played how this. good it is. I'm pretty sure we played this at, at uh, PAX, because this is Annapurna, isn't it? Yeah, this is Annapurna. And, okay. I, I don't and you're on like motorcycles, a... like flying through the sky and hitting yeah. things. And yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I remember this. Yeah, I don't think they had a playable demo at PAX, but they definitely had like a TV screen that was showing you like what was happening. Yeah, uh, we definitely played it. Oh, well, I... Yeah, I, we got to play it. I I, I uh, must have missed that, but I, I just thought, like, holy crap, this was so much fun. And plus, the storyline of it is actually also pretty good. Um, it deals with um, tarot cards, and you have, uh, it, like, the entire plot of it is based off of uh, the major and minor um, Arcana. Arcana, thank you. Yeah, Arcana. Uh, so, like, the entire thing fits into that, and, um, like, so there's a lot of imagery that's happening throughout the entire game that's also going with Tarot and the Joker, because, like, you're apparently doing, like, the Fool's Quest uh, as, like, that's what's happening, and I just, please, please play it. It's so much fun. What is it, um, maybe I spelled Sayonara wrong. Is it on Steam? Uh, no. No, what is it on? I look for the same. It's on it's... Switch and PS4 and oh. something else I... that's not relevant. Uh, Apple? And iOS. I, uh, yeah, iOS. Okay. And yeah. is it on Xbox Arcade or no? I don't. I don't know. It, it's it's definitely on Switch. I've been playing it on Switch uh, on my like way oh. to and from work. Okay, now that I see the picture, yes, I did play this at PAX. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It was very strange. Uh, Jake, let's move on to what you've been playing. Okay. Uh, Luigi's Mansion Three finally came out. Sorry. Uh, on Halloween. Uh, I like it a lot. It's very pretty. The animation's just really, really good. It has like a lot of character and personality to it, which I always like. Uh, I actually, I think I talked about this on podcast last time. Finished Luigi's Mansion one. Yeah, I talked about this on podcast. Yeah, and it's um, it's a lot better, just like control wise. Like so, in Luigi's Mansion one, when you were like sucking a ghost real good, <laughs> you would like <laughs> the best way to do it. Was to like, yeah, I'm going to give you guys some sucking tips right now. You would suck them, and then you would have to, like, mash the stick away from them. And mm -hmm. you would, like, do, like, ten points really quick. But now it's just kind of like a constant. Like, you don't have to flick the stick repeatedly. You can just kind of hold it, and you'll get, like, a solid suck every time. Which mm, is really yeah. cool. It makes it less annoying to play. You just say, mm, yeah, Alex. The nice solid, solid, solid suck is solid. important. Ooh. Yeah, look, don't don't underestimate a good suck. That's all I'm saying. And <laughs> more importantly, Guiji is in the game. <laughs> and he's already a lot he's a lot more interesting than I thought he was gonna be. It's not super lame puzzles, because that's kind of what I was expecting. I really him. okay, I really did think it was gonna be like, you know, you'd be going around, you'd play the game for like an hour and then it'd be like, Oh, here's a grate, and it's like, oh Yeah. Guiji here's where you use Guiji. Like it's it's not perfect, but like it's a lot more seamlessly integrated, I guess I would say, than just that. Because there are a few different things he can do. He can fit through pipes. He can fit through grates. 
but like he can't touch water because he'll like melt because that's how goo works, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it, it works pretty well. I, I'm enjoying it. I'm not super far into it, but I'm having a good time so far. Uh, the other thing I played was Outer Worlds, and I think at least two other people have this on their list, so I'll I'll save it for them. Uh, Jake, did you see the uh, tweet that Brie Larson and uh, Bowser had about um, the game about Luigi's Mansion Three? No. Oh, it's it's this wonderful interaction because apparently Brie Larson was like, "Oh yeah, I'm really excited for Luigi's Mansion 3. and so then Bowser tweeted her back and it's like, "Oh, do you like Luigi or Gooigi better?" Like, just, like, a standard question. Sure. And, like, she just fangirls so <laughs> hard in the next week. She's just like, wow, you're Bowser. Um, I mean, I love everything. I just, just keep... Nintendo's the best. <laughs> like, it wow. is so precious. <laughs> Alex, let's talk about the single solitary game that is on your <clears throat> what-have-you-been-playing list. What? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the I don't think he's okay. Do we need to call someone? <laughs> this is when I know he likes something. I was like, hey, Alex, don't play some Destiny. Mm, nah. Wow. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm good. He, he turned down Destiny? Yeah. Was he did playing he the turn Outer down Worlds? Dota. I did play Dota. Not, actually. not to okay. be confused with the Outer Wilds. <laughs> Which yeah. I do all the time. Yeah, right? I, they, they both I think came it's... out this year and have the I same content. Outer name. Wilds with no V and the Outer Worlds. <laughs> oh, that'll help me. That'll, Does that help? That that help? Right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it that's not the it. Outer Wilds? No, it's Outer no. Wilds. Wow, that's even weirder. <laughs> somehow. Uh, yeah, I've I've played about twenty five, more than twenty five hours at this point oh, of wow. this game. It, I adore it. It is incredible. I think it. Just okay. We haven't said anything about this game yet. I just want to say, in general, <laughs> it feels like if you took a Fallout game, oh. you really feel like <laughs> Spider-Man. This game. No. It feels like if you took like a giant Bethesda RPG and trimmed out all the fat and just made the writing really good and made the areas big enough to contain what you had content written for, instead of just like widening them out and making a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter in them. And then in addition to that, you take a bunch of Mass Effect structure and throw it on the top and you make like a perfect video game. It's not a perfect video game. It's not a perfect video game, but (laughs) it is very good. It's really good. That's a a very, very good comparison. Because Fallout also, I feel like, tends to have a lot of quests that are like, I don't care about this quest. Mm -hmm. There's almost always a character that's like, oh, can you bring me some books? And it's like, no, thank you. Like, I really don't care about your library and your books. And I haven't, so far at least for me, I haven't had anything like that. All the quests are actually there, really good. There's new, literally a quest in, like, one of the first areas where you have to bring people books. <laughs> but uh, mm, New Vegas but, had a lot less of that than the other Fallout games as well. Which, which is, is worth mentioning. People. Yes. I was about which, to say. Yeah, Obsidian made this. So they're basically making a spiritual successor to New Vegas, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And they just um, make the actual successor to any fallouts from here on out i would i would love that mm-hmm. bethesda have to, has to let them hey owen i haven't mentioned to everybody yet that you put fallout 76 on your we should play this during the 24 hour stream list Ooh. <laughs> hilarious <laughs> really <laughs> funny joke it's only 20 dollars, <laughs> and i think we would have no, only 20 dollars. wow you so want people it. to spend 20 dollars on fallout 76 and you won't buy the expansion to play destiny with people yeah I wasn't going to put you on blast when you trade. said that, but... <laughs> I'll make a lateral trade. 
No, that's not how that works. No, uh-uh. That's one twenty dollars versus a lot everyone else. Trade. Yeah. Yeah, like if someone <laughs> paid me twenty dollars, I might play new or uh, seventy six. <laughs> Maybe it'd be a hard sell. I think. Like no, it good. depends how long they wanted me to play. It. Yeah. Back to Ten good minutes, games great. here. <laughs> Back to good games. <laughs> the Outer Worlds. So the the book quest though, it's like. You do it, but it's not even. It doesn't even feel like a waste of time. And that's what I was telling uh, Caleb yesterday. Was I've literally done every side quest I've come across so far in this game, because none of them feel like they're a waste of my time. Like they all have interesting story beats. All the characters are interesting in some way, and like just the dialogue in this game is so good. I'm like routinely laughing out loud at things people say, or like options that they give me to say to people. I've heard you just like, laughing and mumble. I've been like, wow, so, what is he playing? <laughs> I, I Outer Worlds, to, man. <laughs> I have to ask. You said that this wasn't like a perfect game, though. So like, wh- right. where's the flaw? Like, Because it sounds like so far this is written like 10 out of 10. So there's a few things with UI that are not good, I think. Um, just like trying to go through your inventory and see if stuff is better than other stuff. Like you have to go click a button on something that you're currently equipped to make it in a comparable state and then like hover over other things to compare them. And then if you want to compare a different thing, you have to go change what item you're comparing. Mm. That's very annoying. Like the, the quest log page, um, there's not a real good way to like identify the most efficient thing to do next. Like, cause I like to look at the map and see where, like how far out a quest is like how long is it going to take me to get over there and i have to go into the quest log and like double click a quest to activate it then go back to the map and look at where it wants me to go on the map then go back to the quest log and change which quest i'm looking at to see if it's like closer or on the way there i yeah, don't know that's, how that's a problem that's a anymore awkward. that's a problem in borderlands as well yeah, yeah so, I get it. And then oh. the other thing about just like the where they want you to go for a quest, they don't put the marker on the spot that you need to go. They put it like on whatever the closest um transitional doorway is between where you are and where the thing they want you to go is. So for instance, if you're in a city or or if you're like if you're like in a space that has a loading screen in between another section, it'll put the marker on the doorway that is the loading screen instead of like the specific building that it wants you to go to. And it seems like sometimes it does that and other times it doesn't. It's a little weird, but really those are very minor nitpicks to a game that I've just been having a blast in. I think all the, the combat is like actually really good. Um, the companions are incredible. Like Pravardi is best girl. (laughs) <laughs> and I love her. She's literally like my only mainstay companion. I keep her all the time and I trade out the secondary one. Not only do you do that, but you have not equipped any other armor or weapons for her, right? Yes. I, I tried texting Jake about this because I was conflicted. Yeah. And then I told you about it too. That if you put armor on your companion, the the armor is cosmetic as well as um, like stats. So it changes their look if you put armor on them. It's actually really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Privardi to look like a generic space soldier. I want her to look like a fun loving like engineer girl. Yeah, so dude. she's got her like dirty overalls on. 
The issue I'm having, though, is if you don't give them new gear, they'll die immediately. <laughs> yeah. In a fight, they are toast. So I've compromised with, uh, in the settings, you can turn off their helmets appearing, and you just give them, like, mm-hmm. a really strong helmet and hope that, hope it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, Sorry, you have more to say about No, yeah, No, Pravati's... She's like, really I just, good. I love her. I'm going through a companion quest. I'm still not done with it. Those things seem to, like, go through kind of throughout the game like you just do steps at a time mm. i mean that's i think that's a better way to do it yeah instead of just once. like going and completing yeah. it because like like i'll do some of it and i'll be like are we gonna finish this and then she's like uh i need this other step to be done at this other location which you don't have access to yet so i'm like cool so that'll be later in the story um the the structure of the game i think is really like i mentioned it, it's a lot of um mass effect vibes i'm getting from it because it's totally like you go back to the Normandy, but in this case, it's the unreliable and you walk around and talk to all your, your crew mates and you get some story beats from your companions and their lives. Uh, and then you like leave to like, you fly to a space station or something or like a, a base of some kind and you go to leave from your ship and then you get a menu. that's like, which two people are you going to take with you? And then you go off into that, you know, subsection of the world and do your quests and stuff. And then when you're done with that, you come back to your ship and you do it all over again. And it's just like, I, I love that in Mass Effect 2. Like, Mass Effect 2 was, I have said in the past, that it's my favorite game of all time. It's, it's a good uh, pick. That game kicks ass. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't thought about it real hard in, in a long time, but that's something I've said before. Um, and just getting that sort of same vibe in this game is just, it's been really fun. That seems like a good vibe to have. I think like if you're, if you're going to emulate a game, you emulate a good game like that. Yeah. Before we move past, I just want to say one of my favorite systems in the game is the flaw system. Uh, (laughs) so games have had flaws before, but I really like the way they do it. Instead of just like at the beginning, you say, oh, my guy doesn't like pants and he has minus five to (laughs) pants. Like as you play, like so I've got one where my character is afraid of robots because I've just been dunked on by robots like a bunch. And so like a thing comes up and it's like, hey, you've been killed by robot or you've been uh, hit by robots like a lot. You can now take this flaw where you're afraid of robots and you take a bunch of stat hits when you're near robots, but you get an extra perk. And the perks are things like you get like 50% more health. They're like just really cool effects. And I think that's a really cool way to do it. I like it a lot. Oh, that and seems neat. You, and I can't believe we've taken a flaw. I have taken none. I've taken every <laughs> flaw that has come up. I took every, taken flaw. every flaw. Yes, that is my plan. Is every flaw Man. that comes up, I take it. Alex that has one right now so that you bad. choose from that's negative 30% movement speed and you can't dodge anymore. Do you like that flaw? I don't dodge and that has not come up for me yet. So. Oh, wow. I think my favorite, though, that robot flaw, there's a companion who's a robot. He triggers it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. But there's also a perk that when you have a negative status effect, you do 25% more damage. Wow. So scared of robots, you bring the robot is permanent 25% extra damage. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Alex I just, and I were t- talking about like if there was like a pathway to get perks to like speedrun this game very like specifically with all of the uh, status effects that you have that are negative against you. And maybe that's what you do. Maybe you're stacking perks with negative effects. It's possible. People have already beaten this game in like 20 minutes. 
Oh, 20 wow. minutes? What? Yeah, I don't really know. I know part of it is you have to be really, really dumb because it opens up a dialogue <laughs> option that lets you skip a quest. Oh, I don't. I haven't oh. watched it yet because I haven't beaten the game, and so I'm like scared of spoilers. Yeah, but I just yeah. read that like, oh, the world record right now is 20 minutes, and I'm like, how? This is like a week old. Wow. Yeah, that, I mean that what you mentioned there is really interesting with like how characters respond to you based on like what you're wearing or if you're intelligent or not. Like you can make a really a character with bad intelligence, and it, it reflects in all the dialogue. Like, yeah. that's the thing that happened in the Fallout games too, right? Only mm-hmm. New Vegas. Only New Vegas. As far as I'm aware, Only I don't New think Vegas. any of the Bethesda made ones did that. Okay, it's part of why people liked New Vegas so much. Yeah, it's good. And then I think I think some of the other Bethesda like RPGs do this as well. But you can kill anybody in this game, and it's still completable totally. Like I, you can literally murder every single person. Isn't that, I thought fine. there was one. Is there one character? I, I was, you can't kill? I thought that was what I had read, but I've I've not followed up on that. Yourself. I mean, I assume it's the scientist who's behind like bulletproof glass. If I had to guess. Oh. Because you literally can't reach him. Yeah. I th- yeah. I thought that was super odd. Like you you go back to talk to him for the first time and he's literally like encased himself in the safe room. Mm-hmm. And you just can't reach him. Yeah, but I mean, also, he is a fugitive, and one of the first things you can do in that game is just turn him in. Yeah, like it—it's <laughs> the the amount of like options you have to deal with things is pretty pretty cool. Um, I'll go next. Uh, of course, I've been playing some of the Outer Worlds again. I also think it's great. My favorite part about it is just the dialogue. Um, I don't think I've had a bad conversation. Uh. I've also been playing Destiny 2, just freaking grinding to get to 950 so that I can be prepped for the other raid that we're going to do at some point, you know, some point in the future, maybe, Someday. as long as, long as Frank doesn't fall asleep. Um, not doing Frank. Frank. Yeah, I know, I know. The one, so it's two things right now, uh, Festival of the Lost is going on, which is just kind of a cool little running through uh, endless branches from Mercury, Mercury, yeah. that planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is fun. The one thing I've been annoyed about lately is I'm getting to the point where I have so many bounties and quests that I can't pick anything else up. And until like last week, I didn't know until you guys were talking about it that there's like a maximum, is it 63? Is that yeah. right? 63 combination between the number of quests you can have and the number of bounties that you can have at any one point. So my quest stuff is just completely full and I can only pick up like 12 bounties at the moment. So I've been like scrapping old quests that I haven't completed, which is kind of annoying, but I don't know why they would have that cap there. It's really bizarre. It makes no sense. No, not at all. Uh, additionally, I have been playing a little uh, GTA 5 because I'm prepping a bunker and a facility in order to do the doomsday heist that we've been talking yeah. about for freaking ever. So, you know, I'm there. We're ready. I just have to walk into a room when we when we log on after 30 minutes of waiting to get into a, a server mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to be ready to play the Doomsday Heist. Have you so, done any of the casino stuff? I've done zero of the casino stuff. I finally okay. saw. I'd not even seen the uh, the cinematic for it until I launched the game just recently. So yeah, I've it, I've downloaded the the game because in preparation for uh, Extra Life. Uh, and also I was kind of figuring at some point we'd probably jump in there and do that. I'm, I'm sad that I wasn't able to join you in playing some GTA and helping you get your money for the bunker heist. Uh, well, it's, I really had all my money. It was really just buying all of the stuff and getting it all prepped. 
Because there's just a lot of things you have to do before you can actually do the heist. So, I don't know. It'll be it'll be cool to do that again. I really enjoy the heist from that game. I think the rest yeah. of the game is just kind of meh, but the heists are great. Um, let's see who's next. Uh, Caleb, what have you been playing? I've been playing a couple uh, really chill games. I got this game from Cassie's suggestion called Tangle Tower. It's a game where you play as a detective and you're solving this one murder. That's the whole game. It's like four hours long, maybe four and a half. Uh, it's pretty good. The, the game does a lot of hand-holding on some of the, like, solving various parts of the murder. And I get, that gets a little annoying. You just do the wrong answer, like, a couple times. The character that runs alongside you is like, all right, basically this is what you got to do. And I'm like, yeah, I already knew I mean, that. Well, did you, though? It sounds like you got the question wrong a few times. I just didn't get it quite <laughs> right. Mm, I didn't look okay. at a shape, like, close enough. You didn't look at, you don't know your shapes? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> They're very abstract shapes, let me tell you. Okay, <laughs> like triangle. <laughs> wow. But it's pretty interesting. The story is pretty decent. And there, there was one other thing that bothered me. Every person you talk to has, like, a statement that they give you, right? And then there's a second thing that you can unlock once you talk to a bunch of other people about them, that they're, they're like, hiding something. It's called a suspicion or something that you have about them. I think zero of them are relevant to solving the murder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which doesn't make a lot of sense. They're primarily just ways to learn about the character, and usually they're things that you've already figured out. And there's really no reason <laughs> to, like, do the whole suspicion thing. I, I find, find that very odd, but... Range. Maybe it's designed for younger people. I don't know. Do you like like the whole like detective crime puzzle solving thing? That genre. I mean, I don't know. I think it really depends on how it's done. And how have because you not picked up Disco Elysium yet? I, I'm planning on it very soon. <laughs> There's just other things. Did you ever plan to play? Did you ever play L.A. Noir? No, I didn't. Mm. Sounds very similar. That was the one where they had all the weird faces. The facial what about stuff. Yeah, the weird faces. What? Yeah, I mean, it was weird. I said, what about Return of the Oberdin? Yeah, that game was freaking awesome. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd call that a detective game, really. I mean, it's, it's it definitely figure stuff out, but it's, I don't know, it's, I feel like it's structured differently and better than most of them. Wow. Take mm. that, detectives. <laughs> the only reason I ask is L.A. Noir is like pretty highly rated for detective detective style is adventure games. I thought, mm -hmm. thought I saw really it, a lot of really bad stuff about it. Uh, I think okay. they, the face thing is a problem. So like that's that's an issue that people have with it. But it's got a 76% on Metacritic. Yeah, it, it got generally favorable reviews, I would say. Okay. But it's I I don't know if I would recommend it. I played it back when it first came out. Oh, yeah, it, uh, it came out in 2011. Yeah, it's pretty long wow. time. That's so long ago. Yeah, I feel like that was not ago. that long ago. <laughs> uh, I've also been playing an even more chill game called East Shade. The game where you are a painter and your mother's dying wish is for you to go visit a place that she visited in her youth Doesn't and see all the chill. really cool things. It's very chill. You basically walk around this island and you paint a bunch of different locations and landscapes and then you also help random people out with some quests that they need you to accomplish. A lot of it involves painting something specific. You have to like go to a place and find a cool landscape and paint it. It's pretty neat. It's really pretty. It does have some pretty bad frame rate issues. That's not ideal. Uh, I don't no. know why it's so bad because it doesn't seem like it would take that much to run. But 
It's pretty rough. Is, is it as bad as frame rate as Spotify? Right now? <laughs> Dude, I don't know what happened with Spotify. That was weird. We're going to have to reinstall, some... reinstall Spotify because it was running at like 20 frames. <laughs> well, what? Don't know what? Why. I just reinstalled Windows, so it probably had something to do with that. But Okay. Yep. Very strange. All right. But yeah, E-Shade's pretty cool. It's got some... A lot of the quests feel meaningful in some way. Some of them are kind of fetch quests, but most of them are not. Uh, let's go ahead and get started talking about video games with some big news of the week, uh, especially with our guests since we haven't had a chance to talk with them yet. Um, so let's talk a little bit about BlizzCon. And uh, buddy, since you were actually there and the rest of us just got to watch on the side, I, why don't you tell us how it was? Okay, so here's my here's my like five second review of BlizzCon. BlizzCon was great. I'm really happy with everything that they announced. The big winner of BlizzCon was Overwatch 2. They had the yeah, best yeah. demo on the floor uh, and the best cinematics. Um, after that, I think the WoW cinematics were great and the info that they talked about were um, were just really good good ideas that are going to be healthy for the game. Uh, Diablo 4 had uh, a really gruesome and uh, well made trailer that was the cold open for the whole uh for the whole con and then its demo was also just like really well polished uh especially compared to the world of warcraft and the overwatch demos which you could kind of tell were like a little bit more jank um and then hearthstone kind of ends up losing because they released an auto battler that i didn't find particularly interesting and then just kind of like announced uh the the next expansion which we all sort of uh expected the one cool thing that hearthstone did is uh the world championships for hearthstone esports happened and they were actually really like awesome and inspiring because the first female champion of any blizzard esports tournament uh was crowned she like absolutely dumpstered uh the runner-up who was uh, a north american player named Blood bloody face so congrats to lion for killing it uh and yeah that is my that is my real quick overview of how blizzcon was that was good that's good wow. let's actually yeah. let's uh let's start with kind of the, and go, we'll go in the order that you you started so overwatch 2 we'll just start with the best of the best of the beat um, clearly some big announcements from there. I think probably my favorite thing was Jeff just talking about how, uh, they're going to make an adjustment and they're concerned when everybody talks sequels, there's always this thing in the back of your mind. Is this going to ruin your, your player base? But, uh, in this case, their goal is to just redefine or as he, as he says, redefine what a sequel is. Um, and I, I, I think some of the things they're doing are interesting. I don't know how it's going to play out over time, but, uh, Owen, thoughts? What I think you? that it's just going to be... The, the way that they are attacking this, I think, is a great way of doing a quote-unquote sequel. Um, you know, they are making sure that all of the Overwatch, uh, you know, multiplayer is going to be the same throughout if you have Overwatch 1 or Overwatch 2, which I think is a great idea because, A, it keeps your player base together on the multiplayer end. I think the other nice thing about it is that you just spent multiple years on building up your esports, and you're not going to throw a giant wrench in that now. You know, you can continue being the same esports. A lot of the esports teams are extremely excited for Overwatch 2 uh, and, you know, all of the things, but for the most part, it's still the same gameplay. It's still the same character. You know, there's going to add a couple more characters to it. But, you know, it's it's you're not minusing anything. It's just adding some new things like uh, their new mode, Push, which seems interesting. Um, that's something that I haven't seen really anybody else do. Uh, and watching the uh, streamers on the floor 
go through and, and play a couple rounds of a push, I'm excited to kind of see how that plays out and get my hands on it. I think that the original gameplay part of it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun of, you know, kind of doing these battles and then uh, the robot in the center either running to your side or the other opposite, uh, the uh, opponent's side and kind of pushing the uh, the this wall towards your spawn. I think that it's going to have to be fairly well balanced, though, because at the end of it, I feel like you're going to run into the problem that people have with uh, with uh, two points of how like you have to basically attack into someone's spawn and it's uh, they can just stall it forever. And it takes so much time to be able to actually get through that, even though you might win the fight, they can still somehow stop you from taking the point. Uh, and everybody pretty much hates that game type, so I'm kind of eager to see how this plays out. Um, I actually brought up that concern with Jake, and he mentioned that at at the end points that will happen, but in between there are multiple spawn points, so it'll like trade off as they go. Yeah. So you'll kind of get a back and forth of whose kind of spawn it's closer to as the game plays out. So you're just uh, essentially pushing towards a primary goal, and your yeah. spawn points are changing based on where that the the giant robot is based on where the map is or where it's at in the map. Is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. the spawns and change based on how far you've pushed it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, there are there are checkpoints, right? That, yeah. The, there's checkpoints. It's not a payload, but the big sure. It's robot basically block a payload. <laughs> it's basically it's a payload, like it's a payload that can go back and forth, right? Because right. like you yeah. can also lose a lot of ground, you know, well, if the, somebody hits the it. payload. The on your side doesn't go back; it just goes forward. The robot goes back, right? But the robot oh, yeah, pushes yeah, yeah. the payload. Yeah, sure. So it's like two teams simultaneously attacking. It's it's pretty cool. It looked Seems- to me like the maps were a bit more symmetrical than what we've seen for payload stuff. I don't know if that's going to be the case for all of them, but at least some of the overtop, you know, the overlays that I saw, it was very much. It almost yeah. just looked like a mirror from the center so that people yeah, are kind of pushing dive, into the same thing. They talked about that. They talked about they had to design the map to be uh, to be symmetrical because otherwise it didn't seem, you know, like fair because um, like hypothetically one team gets an advantage if it's not symmetrical. Sure. Uh, and they also designed it to be very like if you look at the overview of the map, it's very like windy. Um, and they said that they needed that so that it's not just like you're constantly fighting over sort of like the same point because it allows you to create like flanks and uh like checkpoint you know kind of like chokeholds um on where people are accessing the robot and stuff like that by having it kind of wind back and forth like that right uh on top of that we all, they also talked a little bit about their pve uh i don't know if you guys got to see any of the i mean buddy i know you were there so you saw a little bit of it, but i don't know the rest of you got to see any of the trailers that came out for overwatch uh in terms of pve realm uh, I, I saw some of it the leveling up the characters seems like it's going to be a lot of fun things i think the you know obviously the overwatch community has been asking for years now for having you know a story mode so we can get that lore uh and and to understand where these characters are coming from where these characters are going who are the the new characters that you're teasing in the background so we finally get that but we're also going to be able to get just 
what what I, I I like to think is just going to be uh, the developers just being able to put whatever they want on the characters that they think is going to be cool and not have to worry about oh man that's going to be like way too overpowered with Genji if you can you know throw dragons out of his blade. At oh, you people. think that's a problem if they did I, that in PvP? I mean, if they Come did on. that in PvP, I think that that might be a little bit broken. Uh, but now they can just be like, ah, screw it, you're fighting robots. Who cares? Go for it. Right, uh, yeah. and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I, they, I, you know, they specifically call out like they want the characters to feel too powerful at certain points. Like they, they said um, in the deep dive that there's actually a lot of progression stuff that they haven't shown yet, besides the talents, and that you're, you're going to be like making your character feel more and more powerful over time. So that's kind a, of exciting. The question I have from the, I mean, clearly they showed a little bit about making some modifications to your hero's abilities as you're sort of progressing, but they show some things during the trailer where multiple heroes are sort of activating abilities together. Right, in the cinematic. Yeah, in like, or yeah, sorry, in the cinematic. And they're like capitalizing off of each other's abilities. But like, they didn't show any of that during the actual footage, during anything they talked about. And I don't think they talked about it during Deep Dive either, did they? Not not, not from my experience, but I do. So the Overwatch 2 development cycle definitely seems to be pretty long. Like, I would be very surprised if we saw Overwatch 2, you know, like next year, for instance. So I kind of wouldn't be surprised if that's like foreshadowing some things that they're working on, right? Like, maybe you can combine, you know, a Mei ultimate with a Genji ultimate and Genji gets an ice sword that freezes people or, you know, what, whatever that looks like right. kind of a thing. Right. Um, I want that now. <laughs> but the thing is, is that with 31 different characters, plus however many they're going to be adding in Overwatch 2, right? Like <laughs> how many different combinations would right. that be? You know, like how, maybe only specific characters like McCree has a combination with Ash because they have a history but doesn't have a combination with whatever you know yeah with uh, symmetra yeah with doomfist right because they, they don't really interact like i don't know maybe that's a thing so you'd center so it more like, around the, the lore than you would around like the actual mechanics of the heroes in this case perhaps yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like the kind of thing where in like two years we'll get a uh uh, like a, a developer message where they say we tried for two years to get this to work and it didn't because we couldn't get it to feel right or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it I sounds mean, like especially th- that that's a very Blizzard thing to say. I mean, like that's what Titan mm-hmm. was. That's what like the canceled Starcraft. You know, like they they start and stop projects all the time because they don't feel like it's working out. Sounds a little bit to me like the I don't know if you guys remember when Skyrim was coming out, but they were talking about the spell combinations and how it was just going to be endless. Essentially, yeah. I was about to mention that yeah. because yeah. we totally <laughs> talked about that before Skyrim came out. Gosh, yep. it was so exciting, and then they're like, "Well, everything broke, nothing's working, so uh, yeah, just regular spells." It'll be Wait, thank God they nipped that in the butt. Yeah, Skyrim yeah, runs like say. a dream. <laughs> <laughs> never fix anything else. It runs like a dream on my microwave. Are you saying that Bethesda makes a thing that's not broken? What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the coolest thing about Overwatch they talked about, uh, which is, which is really good is just the cross, uh, crossplay between Overwatch one or Overwatch original, uh, OG, and then the new Overwatch and how a lot of your, your cosmetics and things are going to move forward. Um, I think for anybody who thinks about, uh, anything in sequel realm, again, that's kind of the scary thing. If you think about all this time you've invested in a game where you're, uh, you're getting loot, you're getting, uh, you know, character models, you're getting changes to your weapons and, you know, uh, you know things like emotes. And all of a sudden you're going to move to a new game. The question is, what's going to happen to all that content? And I, 
I can't think of any. Are there other games that exist that have that sort of mechanic where they were like, hey, let's do a sequel, but at the same time, let's make sure we pull through or pull across all of the stuff that happened in the first one? Uh, in a multiplayer sense? Yeah. I, I feel okay, like yeah, any game thinking. with an expansion pack, right? Like, this is just an expansion yeah, pack called a yeah. sequel, right? Yeah, sure. Pretty much. Sure. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I think they even said that it's going to combine into one client at some point. Oh, Guild they're Wars, just going to. Hmm. I would say Guild Wars 2 had some minor bits of this. You could do some stuff in Guild Wars 1 to transfer it forward uh, through, I think it was called the Hall of Heroes of the Guild Wars 2, but it wasn't this right. extensive. Yeah, that was just like uh, you could get like titles and stuff that you unlocked. Yeah. I remember correctly. Um, yeah. Like the antithesis of this is destiny. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's in the lore. <laughs> let's invent a reason to take away everything away from the player and restart it. And then slowly we release the year one or the destiny one content back into destiny two. <laughs> <to re-earn>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Uh, go ahead, Owen. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say that it's just a really good idea to try to keep your player base together. And especially something like this, because I know uh, from a lot of the like EA and all of their, um, I guess not EA, Activision and all of their like Call of Duties. uh, I distinctly remember one of the developers mentioning how they would have all of like the little like DLC map packs come out. And by the end of like the fourth map pack they were looking at like the playlists and they were realizing that it was like, Oh, okay. We have like 5,000 players that have, or, you know, I'm making up numbers here, but it was basically like a thing that was like, Oh, 5,000 players have all of the map packs. And then 10,000 players have just these three and then 15. And so like, it just kept breaking down their community. So when you would enter into playlists and things, you wouldn't be able to play with like, you know, all of these people that are online. And, you know, now we're getting to the point where games are just saying, like, nah, let's just keep all of the community in one spot. Let's give them all of the maps. Let's give them all of their stuff. Let's keep everything consistent throughout, you know, different uh, DLCs or different games. And so that way you never have to worry about what client you have or you never have to worry about, you know, if, you know, I bought this Destiny 2 expansion, but you didn't. And now we can't do the thing. It's just oh, like everybody's Destiny fine. always comes up with you. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, last but not least, I wanted to mention with Overwatch just before we move on. We talked a little bit about or just briefly about uh, new characters, but two things that did kind of show up. Uh, one was Echo was seen in the cinematic, which yeah. uh, was seen back when I think they did McCree's cinematic. Is that, yep. is that correct? Yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, and then additionally, we saw uh, sort of a new character, Sojourn, who I believe is the first Canadian Correct. character. Yep. Oh, is Toronto mm-hmm. also the first Canadian map? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, all right. Pulling some Canada in. Can we yeah, just yeah. talk about how amazing that freaking cinematic was? It was really uh, good. Blizzard always puts out good, good cinematics, but that one was insane. Alex, I let's talk about chills. your mom. <laughs> watching <laughs> no, just, no, just, no, no, no seriously let's talk about your mom no, watching just, the cinematic I, I watched the cinematic for the first time my mom was watching it for some reason also and she got very very invested she had not seen anything on overwatch ever she got very invested in overwatch within the space of eight minutes 
No, I so super that... feel that, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm a like I'm a Blizzard person, but I don't really play that much Overwatch or whatever. Um, and maybe it's just like the structure of the story is kind of like I, I had somebody I saw somebody on Twitter kind of describe it as like a, the jump scare of action movies, where like it looks like the big crazy robot is going to do something, and then like some character you like goes and does something to stop that from happening. Like this is all over Marvel movies and stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah, don't ruin it for me though, <laughs> you know? But yeah, like that stuff is like legitimately affecting when genji shows up and he like deflects the big ass bullet oh, it's like yeah. what a mm-hmm. hero moment right like great and when uh, they uh, use their powers together it feels amazing yeah if that'll happen in game that'll be like she, she'd never heard of winston before that moment and then all of a sudden she was like i was so scared winston was gonna die <laughs> <laughs> i was like what it's oh, like calm down. I do. Next time we're playing, get her to queue up. That's right. <laughs> Let's go. That's right. She's only playing monkey. Yeah, she <laughs> can play Winston. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like the the other side of this coin, right? Like we have these beautiful cinematics and people that get really invested in the lore, but people don't really like a lot of these people don't play a ton of the game, right? Like there's a lot of people who really like the lore and don't like the P, the PVP stuff. And so I, I think that's what Overwatch is trying to address, right? Like to get these people who really want this this is kind of like cinematic experience to to actually play the game. Yeah, and I think that's Blizzard really point. like cares about its like. I mean, I, this is the defining characteristic of Blizzard that I talk about a lot. But like the the continuity with which they play their game or like they make their games is really important to them in a way that's like not really all that important to other studios, right? Like you'll get a new Far Cry, but it's a new setting, a new character. The old ones aren't mentioned or whatever, right? Even like GTA, maybe you'll get a couple of like QC, but like you're in a new setting with a new experience. Whereas like World of Warcraft is continuing a story that started in the 90s. Right, like I could go back and play Warcraft One, and I'm in the same continuity that Shadowlands is going to be addressing next year. And I think that they they care about that stuff a lot, which is why Overwatch Two is carrying a PVE mode because people do like really give a crap about these stories and they want to service those players. And how long has it been? How long has Overwatch actually been out at this point? Does anybody know? Oh, that's Three, a good question. Four? 2016. It was 2016. It was announced in 2014, I think. Yeah. Okay, so it's been a minute. Speaking of World of Warcraft, actually, let's talk about one of the coolest cinematics that was shown at uh, at Mm -hmm. BlizzCon, uh, which was... uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Shadowlands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Shadowlands. Yeah, yeah, this is my thing. This is my thing. Did you guys understand what was going on in that cinematic? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like... I mean, I really loved the cinematic, and it, it it's great, but I feel like if I showed that cinematic to my mom, she'd be like, mm, what? Mm, uh, who, who, who's that? And what are, what are they doing? Uh, and, you okay, know, I did it, show the cinematic to my mom. Ooh. <laughs> what, what did she say? Wow. I'm really interested, actually. She didn't know any... I mean, she didn't really know what was going on, but she was, like, way into the action sequence. And then she was, like... She literally... I mean, got to the end of it, and she was really like, oh, my gosh, she's going to put it on? No way, don't do it. It's going to curse you. And I was like, (laughs) you know, that's actually really interesting because, like, I all of that stuff is so unspoken, right? Like, we all know, or like, you know, if you if you've touched wow lore in the last couple of years, you've probably heard like, there must always be a lich king, and you understand, right? Like, the helm of domination and Bolvar puts it on because he's going to be the jailer of the damned or whatever, but none of that 
absolutely none of that is explained in the cinematic. So I right. just feel like if I didn't know WoW lore as much as I do, I would look at that and be like, what is going on? I don't understand. Yeah, no, she did, she knew nothing about it, but she clearly got the the wearing the crown's bad. Don't do that. And then when she broke it, she was like, no way, she just broke it. Wow, that's and then, like, know, the, honestly, maybe I'm underselling Blizzard. Because like that is specific, like that's the plot twist, right? You know, like we all know that it's such a crazy thing that she might put on the helm and control the scourge or whatever, but wow, that's nuts. Can we can we get her on next time? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I think uh, from like at least a perspective of cinematics, I mean, of course, we'll get to Diablo in a second, and I'm a huge Diablo fan, so I loved it, but this probably had the the best, most just wild cinematic. It was it was even if you didn't have context like we were talking about, it was great. But in terms of like how it's going to actually apply to the world of of Warcraft, uh, the world of World of Warcraft, oh, yeah, that's the world of the <laughs> world of Warcraft. That's the world of one. Yeah. So, how exactly are we going to apply that, or how does that apply to what's going on in terms of like where World of Warcraft is moving? Because they're also yeah, adding so the some additional basic- content. Uh, so the basic storyline of the next expansion is Sylvanas scales the Frozen Throne, fights Bolvar, shatters the Helm of Domination, which rips open the sky above Ice Crown and reveals a portal to the Shadowlands, right? And the Shadowlands is kind of like heaven and hell and everything in between. If you're a mortal soul and you die in World of Warcraft, right? You might meet a spirit healer, and the spirit healer goes, mm, you know what, bud, it's not your time. And then you just get rezzed, which is what canonically you do when you die in WoW and you run to your body and you just, like, come back up. That's what the spirit healers are doing. But if you hmm. die, die, and you're dead, dead, you go to a city where a being called the Arbiter is like, you were a dick, so you go here. You were a nice guy, so you go here. And there's a bunch of different realms for a bunch of different people. Um, the the five realms that they talked about is first, it's like Bastion, which is basically like heaven. If you're a good boy, you go to Bastion and you get to hang out with like these owl creatures. Um, then there's Ardenweald, where if you're like attuned to nature, this is where the Loa go if they die, or like the wild gods. Um, then there is Maldraxxus, which is where you go if you're a fucking badass. Uh, Maldraxxus is the source of the scourge and undeath. My wife is laughing at these descriptions. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then uh, there's Revendreth, which is like vampires and stuff. If you are a, if you are like a a good person but with like a deeply flawed pride, right? You go to Revendreth and the vampires go, stop being so prideful and then maybe you can redeem yourself. And then the very last place you can go is called the Maw. And the Maw is just this gigantic tornado of the most evil, irredeemable pieces of shit ever. Uh, And the story of Shadowlands says that Sylvanas has allied herself with the master of the Maw, who's called the Jailer. um, And they're sucking all all of the souls, even undeserving souls, to the maw to be like tortured or whatever for some power we don't really know so that's that's the basic outline of of shadowlands and it's pretty fucking out there as far as concepts for wow expansions yeah. go not only have they like they're introducing it's just like new realm and new um i, I know they talked about uh, squashing the player cap to what is it 60 yeah, Bring everybody yeah back down uh but they're also introducing a roguelike to world of warcraft which is uh, Torghast Tower, is that correct? 
Mm-hmm. It's the Tower of the Damned, where you enter. It's kind of like a dungeon, but you can also do it solo. So you can do it one, two, three, four, five different people, and it'll scale appropriately. And then the denizens of the dungeon and its layout are procedurally generated. Um, and as you clear rooms and clear floors, you get temporary powerful bonuses, right? Like it'll increase your crit strike by 10% or whatever, or like it'll make one of your abilities do something fucking like neat, but then you die and the run is over and you lose that power sort of thing. Um, and you just kind of scale as, as tall as you can go, like how, how high you can go up Torghast, which is honestly pretty fucking awesome like this that kind of solo group content is something that they're experimenting with also in the next patch that's coming out which is the final patch of the current expansion so i feel like this is something they've been working on for a long time like the ability to scale between a solo experience and a five-man experience uh depending on what your group looks like and is this more i mean are we are we talking about something like a concept like this is this more to reward players who've been playing this game and it's been a solo experience for a long time or vice versa uh and or is this more of a let's get similar to like the overwatch where we're talking about getting pve this is pulling people into a game to play some content that's maybe not core to what the game is but it's got some similar aspects some similar lore but you're also to play some you know you're able to play something that is slightly different so maybe somebody like you know caleb who just literally plays anything that's a roguelike would maybe go play the interesting thing that they, they, they were talking about with Torghast is it allowed them to make it more sort of core to your playthrough in, in WoW if it's, if it's scalable in that way. Like, so for instance, let's say you are a solo player. You don't like doing dungeons. You don't like doing raids. You don't like doing battlegrounds or whatever, but you like doing world quests and stuff like that. Well, you can go to Torghast and become a powerful, like there is end game loot in there in the form of these runes that you can use to forge legendary items and so as a solo player who doesn't do any of that stuff you can still get end game loot from the from torghast but if you're a uh, you know like if you're a dungeons guy and you go in with your regular five-man group you also get that same stuff right i guess the pvp players are a little bit locked out in the, in a certain sense but most pvp players bleed across into the other game modes anyway so you know it is what it is sure sure and you are you're a huge wow wow guy, right? Oh You've yeah, been I've okay. been playing. I've been playing wow for. I mean, I started in vanilla, but then I would I would do a lot of hop on hop off. You're like, oh, the beginning of an expansion. I play for a couple of months, but then when Legion came out, I got really into it, and I've just kind of stuck with it ever since. To be honest with you, right. um, the like the Mythic Plus system that they added, which allows you to like you go to a dungeon and then you go to the same dungeon, but it's like more powerful, and the enemies do little different things or whatever. Like that stuff, I find really really fun and compelling. Uh, so speaking of dungeons, let's talk about another game that, um, came out at, at BlizzCon or was announced at BlizzCon, um, which is again, uh, back in my world here, uh, Diablo four was kind of the opening cinematic, not kind of, I mean, it was the opening cinematic. It wasn't the opening thing at BlizzCon. Cause we had a little bit of, a an apology. Is that what yeah. you would call it? Sure. Uh, I, I, I an apology with that intonation is, is the right way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> apology dot, dot question mark. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. So uh, we had that, and then of course we have this ten-minute-long cinematic, which Diablo cinematics have always been great. Um, and this kind of just like wrapped up with an excellent introduction to the new uh, primary villain, which is Lilith. Um, I, and I think a lot of people are just super pumped about Diablo Four in general, and I I don't know if it's tied into a little bit of uh, sort of dissatisfaction with Diablo Three. Uh, but also this idea that that Blizzard's trying to put everybody in everybody's heads that's 
hey, this is darker, this is more occult, this is bloodier, <laughs> this is real, realistic Diablo. And it seems like they're just going kind of above and beyond, over the top to really say, no, no, this is, this is it. We're going back to the Diablo 2 experience. Um, who had a chance to watch the, the cinematic besides Buddy, because since you were there? Anybody else get a chance to watch it? Yeah, man, I watched that, it. I, I watched think it was gruesome. Well. Yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah, no, Bloody it was gruesome occult? for sure. <laughs> Got it. Freaking uh, cool. Apparently, cool. actually, there was a bloodier version of it uh, <laughs> that they that they dropped uh, and they changed it to be less less bloody. What, what, was it like five people the first time around? <laughs> I, you know, I honestly, I have no idea. I, I was listening to a Hearthstone podcast where you know Brian Kibler, who's like a you know a, a Hearthstone streamer who has like connections in Blizzard or whatever, was talking about how like. About three or four months ago, they made the decision to kind of like cut a little bit out of the cinematic to just like make it not that bad. Wow. See, yeah. they could have convinced me with Bloody and Occult if we'd have gone with the other one, maybe. But this one, it just felt like Diablo. It didn't feel like anything more like, you know, over the top than what I'm used to. I don't know. Diablo 3 is pretty like bright and colorful, right? It gets kind of a cartoony feel. And this sure. was definitely not that. See, I, I think I might agree with you on, like, the, the aesthetic level. But, like, on a minute-to-minute -minute level, like, Diablo 3 is also still, like, really, like, dark and, like, mean. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of blood and ripping Yeah, like, there's a shreds. lot of blood and gore and, like, body <laughs> horror and shit like yeah. that. So, I guess if you're talking about overall, like, just the tone, the style, how it's stylized, then, yeah, sure, it did look... I mean, it appears like it might be a little bit darker. We went back and we were playing... Alex and I were playing uh, Grim Dawn's... I, it's not an expansion. It's a, what am I looking for here? What's the word? DLC? Mod. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a mod that basically lets you play Diablo 2 on it. And oh, like, okay. even just the aesthetic of that is definitely very, very dark. All the tones are like dark, earthy tones instead of like the brights that you do get in Diablo yeah, 3. I, I think it's a lot to do with just the color palette that they use. Yeah. Uh, additionally, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, just this idea that people were kind of frustrated with Diablo 3. And I think that there, there's a couple things that happened there. Number one, the sort of power scaling mechanic of, of how they decided to do leveling, um, not only with the difficulty levels where, you know, we just went from the four regular to now there's 10 different levels of torment that you can play on, all with their different drop levels for loot, uh, in, in combination with the sort of rarity of items that you would drop. Because in, in Diablo 2, going back and play something like that, you know, you're going to have a lot less drops. It's going to be very seldom that you actually get a legendary or, or something that's green that drops from a set versus Diablo 3, which, you know, that might happen more often than, than you'd, you'd expect. Um, that in combination with, and I don't know if you guys remember this when we played, but the auction house that they decided to implement right when Diablo 3 <laughs> came out. Yeah, yep. that ruined, ruined Diablo 3. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a disaster. But they also talked about doing trading in Diablo 4. Which I don't know to Trading, what extent. Yes. Yeah, I don't. So I don't know what to what extent that's going to be. I know it's not going to be a real money auction house, but they, so, they, so they, the the auction house ahead. trivializes the the trading stuff, right? So just like anytime you're like, oh, I need something stronger, you just go on there and get it it's with fine. no effort whatsoever. Yeah. Now, if you're just like meeting people in the world and they happen to have something that you need and you want to trade for it, I think that's way more dynamic and like social and also not just trivializing the the loot grind yeah, it's way more interesting than going to a store and being like yep that's what i want like 
so so it, it's interesting because I feel like part of this might be locked off just because of the ubiquity of the internet now, right? Like uh, Path of Exile does trading, um, but there are sites that act like auction houses, and I'm not super into it, so I, I don't know how much that affects the actual economy of the game. But mm. the kinds of effects that these things do have on games are like even an external auction house will kind of set relative prices, right? Like mm. um, it, it'll be harder to kind of like get a good deal or like, you know, wheel and deal and do the kind of thing that's attractive about that style of play just because uh, e even if you don't participate in that market, there's that information is out there, which, which, which is uh, unfortunate but interesting side effect, I think. Oh, didn't think about that really. Yeah, that could become a problem. Uh, in terms of differences, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that have kind of come up since BlizzCon happened. Um, number one being Alex messaged me the other day and said, hey, did you know that if this, then that is being implemented into Diablo 4? I'm like, what? And he sends me this link where it's basically, I don't know if you guys have ever used if this, then that for home automation, but it's, you know, if something happens, then you trigger something else. Mm. And they were showing some of the, I don't, was it runes, Alex? What exactly? Yeah, what? runes. I think runes that form rune, rune, words. rune words. Yeah. Rune words. So just some added complexity. Um, they also talked a little bit about the sort of uh, dungeons that they were going to be doing. I know, buddy, we talked a little bit about this on the cast um, uh, when we, we, we were talking on Monday, but about changing the difficulty of dungeons as you progress in the game in order to add sort of different layers to what you're doing. Um, Yes, tornadoes fire yeah they're basically importing that mythic plus system uh from world of warcraft into diablo so the idea is when you go back into a dungeon that you've already cleared and they said there's going to be a ton of ton of dungeons right you're going to have a key and the key is going to upgrade the enemies in the dungeon and make it harder to complete with some mechanic the one that they demoed was um the lightning a, like a lightning tornado and you just you enter the dungeon there's a fucking lightning tornado and it just follows you and if it hits you it does a bunch of damage or whatever so you kind of constantly have to be on the move sort of thing positioning the lightning tornado um as necessary uh so yeah that seems to be their their approach uh to you know kind of like making the dungeons in the end game replayable in that in that way as long as they're not in the nephilim rift realm realm of uh dungeons where it's just Highly randomized, generated dungeons with nothing that's necessarily unique, but you know they they have that sort of aspect with the keys. As long as they go down that route, I think it will be sort of end game playable versus just a grind towards the end of Diablo three. Yeah, I feel like that Diablo three grind. Um, I mean, like I get it, and it's fun, and every once in a while I'll sort of like fall back down that hole where it's like, oh, the new season, I'm gonna play, and you play for maybe like ten or 15 hours and you fill out one set of like legendaries or something you're like all right i'm good um the other thing they said is that they're going to there's going to be less drops um compared to contemporary diablo 3 where you thought when you play on higher difficulties you get more chances at dropping you know like legendaries and set pieces and stuff now no matter what difficulty you play on you have the same chance of dropping that stuff but the gear itself will be stronger so if you if it drops on a higher difficulty for you, it will be a better piece of gear. Um, that worries me a little bit because I sort I sort of feel like you need lots and lots of loot to chew through when it comes to Diablo. But uh, I mean, as I long know. as as long as we get drops as often as I get drops in Borderlands Three. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> 
We'll be oh, constantly loot tables in that game. What the heck? Yeah, they were great. I don't know what you guys' problem Gosh. is. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, you should have had all purples and just oranges at that point. I'm like two, be... two full tiers below you right now. <laughs> it's Ridiculous. Perfect. It's in perfect. Borderlands 3 or just in general? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> Uh, also, just kind of wanted to mention on the on the Diablo realm one other thing because we've been talking a little bit about somehow Destiny just keeps getting brought up, but of course <laughs> uh, we've decided to implement or they decided to implement something that is a little bit in the Destiny realm, which is mythic loot. Uh, in this case, mythic loot is just like the top tier of loot, and you can only equip one thing at a time, so you have to be very selective about where you're going. Very similar to how exotics are situated in Destiny. It seems a little bit different in the exotics and Destiny have like a thing that they do that's super unique and cool and i think the mythic stuff or the mis mythic mystic stuff mythic. in diablo thank you has just a whole bunch of legendary features that already exist and it just puts a bunch of them on one item right is that correct right uh that's what Which it is looks like very less unique i mean you get like unique combinations of all of the different ones you can get on there but it's not like anything super special right it's things you already have but just more of them now Right. I'm intrigued to see how this works out inside of Diablo just because I feel like it's a terrible mechanic inside of Destiny. And so I want to kind of see if Blizzard and can kind of balance that and make it feel not bad and maybe like a good idea because so far I don't see any reason why you would just be like, "Hey, I know that you worked super long and hard to get this thing for your character. Too bad you can't use it." Like, that just seems like a really shitty design flaw. Like, I, I couldn't imagine in World of Warcraft, you know, grinding for hours and getting some sort of, like, really good raid gear because I, you know, we, we I raided all the way up to that point and then I did this last final raid boss and I got this cool gear, um, but I can't wear it because I'm already wearing a different raid thing, so sucks to be you. Okay, I mean, so you say that, but WoW has actually, like, that has been a thing in WoW for a long time. So, like, there are set pieces, right, where it's like, you have, if you, you, there's, like, the warrior tier 20 or whatever it is. And you get, if you're wearing four pieces, you get something. If you're wearing two, if you're wearing two pieces, you get something. If you're wearing four pieces, you get something else. And there were a lot of times where something would drop for you, and it would be powerful piece of gear, but you couldn't equip it because it was one of your set pieces. And it's like, okay, well, you know, this thing is way more powerful than the other item, but I need to have my, like, set four um but wow also had a a system that was a little bit like exotics uh but it was kind of structured differently in legion they had legendaries which were really alter which would really alter your kind of play pattern and your build and stuff they would do things like oh whenever you pyroblast or whatever you get a big buff to your intellect and it does way more damage or something kind of along those lines uh, but the thing is is that everything in the game had a chance to drop a legendary for you right so there was never that feeling of like oh well i'm gonna grind the raid over and over again to try and get this one exotic from the raid because like the legendary would drop no matter what you're doing it'll drop from pvp it'll drop from world quests it'll drop from random fucking mobs that you're killing on the way to go do whatever it is you're going to do so there was never that same sort of like feeling and i wonder if they could make mythics work in that same kind of way uh, in Diablo 4, where it's just like, because sort of everything has a chance to proc a, uh, a mythic, you never get that frustration of going like, I keep running this thing, but this mythic just won't fucking drop for me. I think that, to to go back to your point about, like, the, the sets, 
of gear i think that that makes a lot of sense and that's a interesting way of being able to limit like what gear that you're choosing because if you decide to pick something that's matching the rest of what you have you get extra bonuses Mm -hmm. and i think that's a good way to go about it rather than like how like destiny oh cool i have this really nice weapon that i just got and i want to use it but I can't because I'm too busy. I got this other really nice weapon that I have equipped and I always use that one because that fits my play style. And it, that's just kind of, I don't know. I just feel like that's like a really shitty thing because I've gotten all of these things inside of Destiny and I will never use any of those guns because I'm too busy using the Risk Runner. Yeah, It's also and, worth noting that they did remove sets. Like eventually, Ian Hosekostas, who's the who's like the game director of WoW, is like, listen, when we put out raid sets, people just raid until they get their set and then they never change change the items because the set bonus is too good we just have to undo this so they stripped it out in the most recent expansion so you know i do Hmm. sort of wonder if there is some like almost like backlash coming for uh for diablo 4 along those sorts of lines uh in terms of diablo 4 i think mango you were a a big diablo 3 player right Yeah, yeah i played a fair amount of it in my day anything you're specifically excited about for the fourth that you saw when you were watching uh, so, so this, this is kind of my, my, the, the thing that, that eventually lets me grow tired of, uh, of the style of game in, uh, in kind of all cases. And that's that, uh, things die really quickly. And, uh, usually the right, the quote unquote right way, or I guess the efficient way to play the game is not to push the hardest content that you can push, but it's to, uh, kind of farm the content that you can farm the most efficiently, if that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. um. And it looks like the encounters are a little bit or tuned a little bit differently, right? Like things require a little bit more intentionality, a little bit more thought to get through the encounters rather than kind of just, you know, spinning to win on like a whirlwind barb and just rolling through levels. So um, if they manage to pull that off and make the game require like actual thought instead of just kind of like rolling over things that are that are moderately lower than you, um, then I that's the thing that I'm very excited for. Yeah, I mean, spin to win was a really boring barbarian build but it was very efficient <laughs> right i think that'll Just, make caleb play it probably <laughs> it's classic the encounters are thoughtful the rpg but yeah that'll do it yeah, it's classic water finds a crack problems and uh at every, every game the developers try and fix that but every game somebody figures out the most efficient way to do something and then sucks all the fun out of the game for themselves so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, spin to win, let's talk about uh, one of the last things, uh, the major announcements from uh, BlizzCon. Uh, taking from uh, basically Dota's mod that happened back in January of this year, uh, Auto Chess, um, Hearthstone is announcing a, a, announced a brand new game mode called uh, Battlegrounds. I know we have a couple Hearthstone players in here. Uh, maybe you can speak a little bit more to that. I myself am not a Hearthstone player. Anybody? <laughs> Oh so goodness. I was initially pretty. I was initially <laughs> pretty down on uh, Hearthstone Battlegrounds, and I think part of it is just like I get a little frusty about the RNG in all of you know, like in all of these when it comes to just like you know when you have a comp and you're just like, oh, I just need one more, and you keep like re-rolling and re-rolling to try and like get it. Um, I will say that I have been strangely turning that corner literally since we recorded the podcast on monday where i just shat all <laughs> over hearthstone battlegrounds <laughs> like um because the ability for you to kind of affect your board state um and the way things work is actually sort of like 
constantly developing and as people start to realize the power of like taunts and death rattles and battle cries and stuff like that it actually does become you know uh more sort of like in a, a more engaging sort of way to play the game that isn't defined by that super like frosty kind of uh rng so i don't know maybe maybe this will be an upwards trajectory maybe it will just like flounder and you know like flounder and die i will say that getting like you know creating a really powerful comp feels a lot better in hearthstone than it does in the other games uh that i like the other auto battlers that i've played just because like with those the it's it's a very binary thing it's like oh i i picked up a brahm now i have glacial six yes right but with hearthstone you just keep pumping you know what I mean? You just keep buying right. minions and it's like, oh, I can give these guys plus two, plus two, and I'll give them another plus two, plus two, and then I get a golden card. And, and you know, like, you just get to these extreme levels that feel, like, really powerful. And that sort of, like, I am building a powerful board because I am good at recognizing the synergies sort of thing is, like, that's really fun and engaging, so... It's a big difference uh, that it's like a constant upslope in terms of your power instead of like a, I get this character and suddenly I jump up a huge amount. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing because like even, you know, like so the one star characters and the six star characters, there's a difference because like the six star characters are obviously much like rarer. Right. But you'll see people carry one star units into their final compositions. And it's not because, you know, like they're there it's just they've been buffed over the course of the entire game as you keep adding more battle cries and death rattles and magnetic and all of these things uh <laughs> to make you know your one star mecha rue which starts the game as a one one that summons a one one right like that just because of the longevity of the game you might end up with him in your final rounds because by the end of, he's like a nine thirteen and he's just like housing kids right <laughs> You mentioned in your uh, five-second rundown, I thought this was pretty cool, too, that uh, we did have our first woman to win uh, a Hearthstone Grandmasters Championship. Um, I, what I didn't know, and you, you kind of touched on it for a second, but was, was she completely undefeated the whole way through? Oh, yeah. No, she destroyed people. I think she went 11-0 in the tournament. Um, it's It's actually kind of funny because so... Uh, Bloodyface, who was the, the opponent that she faced off to in... Uh, who was who's a, a North American player? He's kind of like the last great hope for North America because I think everybody else in North America got eliminated pretty quickly. Um, he made it to the finals on two plays. One was a really neat outplay where he had a worse deck, but he just kind of finagled it into a position with like a lot of pressure where he was able to pull ahead of former world champion Tom six zero six six nine, I think his name was. And in the second game, he faced off against a European player named Fino, who just choked. Uh, he had lethal, and if he had done the spells in the correct order, he would have won the game. Uh, but the rope was counting down, and he just like couldn't get it in and he literally left uh bloody face at one hp before dying which is just a heartbreaker Man. so bloody face got to the you know like got to the finals but like very squeaky wins lion basically just ran over the entire tournament because she was playing the better version of uh all of the all of the decks she basically had a read on the meta that was way ahead of everybody else and she wrote it out until, you know, until the very end. So that was like, I, it's funny because last year's game five was incredibly hype because uh, 
it was just it was a really close match it got it came down to you know one deck versus one deck and somebody pulled out a crazy card and it did crazy things and it's like an insane back and forth and that game was really like fun and interesting uh the actual series where lion won was pretty straightforward she just basically wiped the floor with him uh and it was not super competitive at all but you know she definitely earned it because she just had the better read on the meta and the better decks in the in the tournament uh, one thing I wanted to mention, speaking of uh, China, and actually, if you guys, if we can keep you along here for a little bit longer before we, we let you go, we're going to talk about a couple other video game things outside of uh, BlizzCon. For sure. Um, we, today, actually, they were talking a little bit about a uh, new law that was passed in China that I think is kind of interesting. Specifically, it states that users younger than 18 years old uh, can only play games or cannot play games between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m., they are only allowed 90 minutes during the day and three hours on weekends and holidays. And that's it. So they're really trying to curb some of the video game usage. And I, you know, they've, they've used some strange uh, reasons, um, you know, to do with nearsightedness and just lack of productivity, which, you know, I get it. People who play video games can be not productive sometimes, but uh it seems like a very very restrictive thing and i just kind of wanted to talk about that for a second since we kind of were on that uh in that realm i just question how you'd enforce that it's china man <laughs> They're watching i mean i actually think that it is more reasonable to enforce That's than you fair. think because china forces companies like blizzard right like blizzard doesn't publish games in china they have a, a chinese game partner i think called NetEase, and they're the ones who publish like hearthstone and world of warcraft i don't think it would be crazy for the chinese government to say you know you need to cut their game access from the source right after their 90 minutes of play and they can't log into world of warcraft at like you know 9 a.m or whatever because that's i don't know i am afraid of authoritarian china's ability to do shit like this and i feel like uh i feel like that the amount of control that they have over the companies that you know uh make products for the chinese market is good is going to be enough to kind of make it work i i just kind of question how you'd even be able to regulate that from the source because if you're going from like your uh key of the your, your access key from what you what you would buy from a store or something like that like you would just i don't know if you're just playing a fuck ton of Fortnite, just to have multiple accounts and then if you're going by the ip address just jump through different vpns yeah. so like i don't know i just feel like there's various ways around this if you're trying to be that regulated i understand like I think it's a dumb thing that it exists, and I think that it's going to be a dumb thing for them to enforce, but I'm wondering how much they actually enforce it. Like, so, I mean, there, there's plenty of stuff that's blocked on the internet in China, and there's still VPNs that get around it. So, I mean, there's always, like, a way. Yeah, I, but I then I guess you're a... also probably risking getting in trouble for it. Right. I, this is a thing where the, the people that tunnel outside the Great Firewall will probably still tunnel outside the Great Firewall, but most people <laughs> don't do that, right? Like, um, Yeah. Most of the population is willing to stay inside and listen to the government and be a good citizen, um, especially like, you know, you can imagine getting caught in this affecting your social score, which is a thing in China now. 
and you know them right then you can't like yeah. go on the train right so right um you know what this honestly makes me think of a lot it makes me think when i'm playing any of those grand strategy games like eu4 or something and there's like a little button that's like you know enslave the serfs or whatever and i'm like oh yeah. productivity 10 <laughs> 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 percent <laughs> I feel I'm playing like that's what the Chinese like, government is doing. They're trying to tick the button that says productivity will increase by 10% if we limit video games. You, you also have to remember this is applying to people under the age of 18. So yeah. you also have to deal with your parents not wanting you to break the law. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. That, that's actually the, the take that I have seen is that this is like a, a way to reinforce kind of authority, right? Their parents are probably already telling them not to play so many video games. And so now the government's helping enforce that so that the kids never question authority and they never question the authoritarian government. And that's like kind of like far off in politics land. But it, it, I think it rings kind of true, right? It's all about maintaining an iron, iron control. Um, I've got a couple of uh, friends uh, who grew up in China who say, who say that um, and who have still have relatives there who say that like the, the culture of like of rebelling against the government just doesn't make any sense to them, right? It, it, it's like explaining something completely foreign to them. Um, like even something as simple as like owning property, right? Because in China, you lease the land from the government. Um, and so it's just like a total cultural shift that, that I don't think we have a, a good handle on. It All does I say, know, just, just reading this New York Times article, it does say, uh, I mean, this quote here is, Analysts said regulations had largely been anticipated by the industry, and most of the biggest technology companies, including Tencent and NetEase, have already imposed limits in anticipation of the law going into effect. So it does sound like it's going to be regulated on the industry side, specifically for them to make sure that it just can't happen. So a lot of what we're talking about makes sense. You know, in the case that uh, it's going to be regulated by them, people are still going to, like you said, dig outside the firewall. Something oh. that I thought was actually pretty interesting, though, uh, I saw this this very spicy hot take, was the idea that this will curb the market power of China, right? Like, if you like, like let's say th when you respond to the oh, Blitzchunk wow. controversy, right? You kind of say, "Well, Blizzard is making a lot of money in China, right? And they're not going to give that up." for anything sort of thing well now all of a sudden it kind of maybe blizzard is kind of willing to say i don't need china anymore in order to make my games float i'm so sorry about these fucking silences i'm making an amazing point <laughs> the, the police are coming for me <laughs> i just saw as part of that stuff they are implementing a like cosmetic amount you can spend on cosmetics over yes. like a course of like a week or something which i think it's plays into that a ton 28 to 57 dollars a month depending yeah. on your age wow yeah i mean there's a part of me that's definitely like loot boxes are bad ban loot boxes but then there's a part of me that's like what am i that's dumb what am, what am i saying <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want them just don't buy them right that's right yeah I, I i mean all i heard from a lot of this is basically uh start playing video games after 9 a.m your time because all the kids will be asleep and you'll actually win some PUBG. wow <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. This does say that uh games industry is a $33 billion industry in China. Annual revenue. So that's a lot of money held up. I think that, that makes a valid point. I wonder how uh, much of that comes from sub 18 year old population though. Mm. And how much of it's like people in their twenties and thirties. Yeah, how much of it is just like Chinese buddy over there like wasting his life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, speaking of uh, revenue, I wanted to talk real quick. Uh, we have a couple other things to talk about here in games, but uh, Ubisoft's earnings, I know, Alex, you wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. They. I mean, there was this whole thing last week, the week before maybe. Uh, they came out and talked about their earnings. They had a pro- uh, projected forecast of $2.4 billion originally, and they had to reduce it to $1.6 billion. <laughs> wow. After wow. What failures? After like se- several <laughs> failures, I guess. Oh, it's the, gotta be the Tom biggest Clancy, of which, right? Yeah, the biggest of which being uh, the Tom Clancy game. What's it called? Uh, Honestly, like who that cares? Yeah, that's kind of the point. Break point. Yeah. What is that like? I I know there's like Rainbow Six Siege, right? Which gets like players. Yeah, that's the the pseudo sequel to Wildlands. Yeah, Breakpoint. Yeah, Breakpoint. Yeah. So they, I mean, it's a big budget game that came out and was a critical failure, and then was also a commercial failure. And um, Eve I mean, Guillermo kind of got on stage and like blamed it all on them, kind of. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Do you wow. think that at uh, any point in time Ubisoft will realize that putting a dead guy's name at the start of all of their titles isn't exactly a selling point to any of the military games? I always imagine that was like his estate. He is like, you have to. <laughs> Every single game has to start with my name, even if I'm dead. <laughs> even if I'm dead, have zero input on anything that's happening. Tom Clancy's. The biggest yeah. egotist of all time. No, they'll they'll continue to do that. But it's I mean they, they said some stuff about how like look at look at all the other games that we've continued to support for years on end. Look how we turned Rainbow Six Siege around and it's like super popular now, like so we're going to continue working on this game and we're going to make it better. We have some ideas about like feedback the community has given us on what they don't like about it. So hopefully I they can mean, do better than Bethesda on that. There front. it is. I, yeah. I will say, <laughs> unlike coming. Bethesda, Ubisoft employs these people called community managers and they do their jobs. They do their jobs very well. Also, bug testers or any type of quality assurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually hey, really funny. I know a bunch of people who work in uh, in Bethesda QA. Man, what a wow. thankless job! I, I, <laughs> I mean, they move, they actually like it a lot better uh, apparently than Square Enix QA because Square Enix QA is pretty heartless apparently, where they'll just like they'll just be like, okay, it's Wednesday, Friday is your last day get wrecked sort of thing wow um, yeah but you know that's also kind of just the industry yeah in a lot yeah. of ways well there's no shortage of bugs to look out for for bethesda yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh on, on top of ubisoft they're not the only ones who are struggling to make some changes uh additionally ea is moving content back to steam for the first time since 2011 <laughs> um starting with star wars uh on top of that they're also talking about doing their subscription service through steam oh yeah they're sharing it across the two yeah. right i don't yeah, know so if... go ahead alex the, the the interesting part about the story is that this is like the first uh game subscription service that will be allowed on steam so ea access like you can get all your ea games and you can do it through Steam now, or I guess it's coming soon. I actually think this um, is kind of clever on, on EA's part. I feel like EA is like ahead of the curve a little bit when it comes to this stuff, right? Like there's the Epic Store and Epic, you know, trying to like make its own sort of like mark or whatever. But I just feel like so many people have that Steam user base that it's kind of leaving money on the table in a way if you're not publishing 
across the different PC platforms like that. Absolutely. And so, you know, finding finding a way to make a partnership work with them in Steam, I think it's just going to make them a bunch of money. It's it's a great idea. They did specifically say that they are treating Steam and Origin as two different platforms. So there will be no pulling games <laughs> over to Steam if you've bought them there in the past, even if they're released on Steam in the future. Mm. Oh, so that seems like a weird caveat. Cor correct. So no transfers, no, I mean, there's not like that's going to really sort of segment that from what people have bought on Origin versus what they're going to be playing that's that's EA related on Steam. Mm hmm. But can you yeah. still play across the two? Like, can you play like uh, like you play Titanfall two, say, on on the uh, on Steam, assuming it comes, and uh, and play with people on uh, on Origin, or do we not know that yet? I don't know. I would assume that that's just like game specific, unless you know, I think publisher yeah. specific. I mean, I think it's going to work the same way Ubisoft does their stuff. So it's still going to launch Origin after launching Steam, like from Steam. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Speaking of uh, of launchers and just fiascos, how about uh, Red Dead Redemption coming out this week and just not being able to play it? <laughs> Wait, like legitimately not being yeah, able to what, play it? Yeah, like, what happened? Unplayable? So, so this is what happened, right? Everyone is like pumped for Red Dead 2 dropping on uh, PC, but Rockstar was like, you have to use our launcher. Uh, and there was a oh, lot no. of bugs inside of their launcher because, oh, you know, Jesus. this is like the only thing that they've actually put on it. And so people bought the game and they're trying to download it. But the doubt the uh, launcher would randomly stop people's downloads. So you hit download, you walk away for like three hours, you come back and it only downloaded for the first 30 minutes of that oh three God. hour period because it randomly like paused it. And then once you did manage to get it to fully download everything and deal with the dumb launcher and actually get the game started it would crash a bunch there was a bunch of issues with it being ported over to pc uh it wouldn't connect to the rockstar servers like it's just basically it's been deemed by the community at this point unplayable well keep in mind you know unless you have gigabit internet which anymore you know just seems like a first world problem at, at this point if you don't have gigabit internet uh because <laughs> apparently a lot of people do at this point but if you don't you're going to be downloading a 115 gig game. It's going to take a minute. So it's not something you're just going to set and walk away and come back to your computer in 30 minutes. This is a an over the overnight download anyways for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah it, and and then it's just like, "Oh, hey, during that overnight download, it's going to pause it." And you got to just be there so <laughs> you can unpause. Yeah, like it's just it's pretty bad. Everybody's like, "This is exactly why you don't do your own launcher bullshit." And uh, in response, Rockstar was like, "Hey, just like we're 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 updating all of this stuff, and also like it's gonna be on Steam next month. Just buy it there." <laughs> Incredible! Wow! <laughs> wow! Uh, a couple other things I wanted to talk about in game releases before we let you guys go. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out. Cool. Uh, I mean, also, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's all deserves, you need probably. to say. On that's to it. the next one. It's not My to be only interaction with Call of Duty Modern Warfare is to right-click it on the Battle.net launcher and go hide. <laughs> so. Wow, nice. I didn't even know you could do that. I didn't either. Oh, Thanks for that. Oh, doing that now. <laughs> to be fair, you useful. have to be on the beta Battle.net launcher, so upgrade to the beta. Yeah, you can customize what games you see. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, 
additionally, uh, releasing soon, because I, I don't think it's actually out yet, is uh, the best walking simulator on the planet, Death Stranding. <laughs> uh, and yeah. Alex, I wanted you to give us some highlights from what I, you had heard about this game. I wanted to talk a bit about Death Stranding because it sounds wild. It sounds like a game that I really want to be able to see all of it, but I really think I'm going to hate it. <laughs> with like part of me wants my... to just buy it. Part of me wants to just buy it and not play it. Like I support <laughs> you, Hideo Kojima. Take my money, but I'm I'm just not going to play. Uh, this, this game doesn't interest me. <laughs> this game, everything I've seen about it looks wild, and I want to see all the cutscenes. But the actual gameplay loop seems like it is Euro Truck Simulator on foot <laughs> with. Uh, <laughs> Tim's going to love this. Yeah, Tim will love it. With like a heavy Probably emphasis well. on um, encumbrance and durability of gear. It's like the worst things in games. Like all the things I hate about RPGs. Like it's it sounds like the worst. So like a couple things. Like for instance, I was watching somebody play. And the mission that I saw him, him do was somebody ordered a pizza. So Sam has to deliver this pizza. And there's like no infrastructure in the world. So... He has to walk this pizza to this location. He goes to pick up the pizza. It's in this box. And he picks it up by the handle, which makes it hang vertically. That makes the cargo take damage because pizzas can't be vertical. <laughs> they have to remain horizontal. What? So now he has to stack boxes on his back to make a platform that's wide enough to hold this pizza box. What? To where you can stack the pizza box on his back. Can, can you not just hold it like an adult, <laughs> like, like a human? Yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> you have to stack stuff and strap it down on your back, and then walk across this entire like area to get to this other place, and then hand them the pizza. And you have to do it within thirty minutes, of course. <laughs> of course, I just, yeah. I, I, so, I've only seen a couple of like screenshots of this game, but every single one I see is just something weird strapped to the back of this player. And I'm just like, that would yeah. break you. There's you have to, like, no way this would work. You have to traverse this landscape. Well, he's got like, you know, exoskeleton stuff on. So and you, you can upgrade that. But OK, there, you have to traverse this landscape that is not meant to be traversed. So you're like stacking like five ladders on yourself to bring around and like a bunch of rope. <laughs> Oh my and gosh. Just, just like walking across some there's, pizza. There's like a ton of emphasis on like where your footfalls are landing, and there's like um systems in the game for like walking like more steadily or not. God. And like how that will affect and then like if you fall over, all your stuff can like fall off and you have to stack it all back up again. Oh Encumbrance. Gosh. Then there's just like crazy crap in this game. Like you have a baby strapped to your chest. It's called a BB, which stands for bridge baby. Because the baby <laughs> mm -hmm. is the bridge to the dead world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that you can, like, yeah. see the, the ghosts invisible. that haunt America. I, I like how you got through, like, the first part of the explanation, just describing a normal delivery game, and then you added a <laughs> part about the dead people. <laughs> the, the ghosts that haunt America, which you can only fight using your blood. <laughs> so you have to make blood bullets know. to put in your gun to shoot don't them. Like you don't Bro, to be honest with you guys, uh, ever since you said the thing about Euro Truck Simulator, <laughs> I was on the Steam store page, and at the top of trending is American Truck Simulator, the Utah package. Did you know that <laughs> right. you can play American Truck Simulator for free for three days? Because oh, wow. that's what I've been focusing on instead of Death Stranding. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so boring. <laughs> 
Didn't Kojima say himself that he expects people to hate the first half yeah. of the game? There is an interview where he literally says, I expect everyone to hate the first half of this game. The what? game is 60 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I'm I don't so excited for, for like the spate of our game's art articles that are going to come out in a week talking about this game. Oh my god. There's actually some like really interesting stuff in this game, though, with like... Um, like asynchronous multiplayer so like you can build up infrastructure in the world and because the rain is time it can like suck your infrastructure to other people's worlds and then also infrastructure that shows up in your world from other people will degrade over time because the rain is time so it degrades things y you are saying oh the rain is time correct? yes, what is the yes. they call it yeah they call it time fall not rainfall <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh my god. That is a really honestly like galaxy brained idea someone had in the writer phase. And I guess Kojima was just like, this is going in the game. Because like I mean I'm not surprised with like the flame demon that you start with Metal Gear Solid uh, Phantom Pain. Is that, mm -hmm. that the one has the yep, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and then you have that intro sequence, and then the game is just not that game. Mm -mm. At all. No. So <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's entirely different. I gotta tell you my absolute <laughs> favorite thing about Death Stranding that I've seen. Since Timefall is like bad, you can't drink that. You have a canteen where you collect Timefall in it to convert oh, it to gosh. drinkable. It turns it into monster energy drink. God bless America. <laughs> yeah, dude. Branded monster energy drink hey, is what it turns it into. What is this game? Game takes place in America. I mean, don't you, technically, <laughs> don't you technically work for Uber Eats, too, when you're delivering I mean, all pretty, the food? I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Like, wait, just, is that real? <laughs> I don't know. If that's real. Like, I you work, don't know either. But you I work for you work it. for Bridges, I think, is the whatever. Because sure. you're trying to expand the chiral network, which is like the internet too, um, right. but it runs through like the dead realm or whatever. And you're on a mission from the president, right? <laughs> so you have to you have to connect, like the what do they call it, the United Cities of America or something. Yeah, it's good. I, I want to know what drugs Kojima was on <laughs> making this game so I can be on those drugs because right. this is a fucking trip. Like, I do not understand how anyone would come up with any of this and be like, yeah, this makes, like, great idea for gameplay and just a storyline, but fuck it, put it in there. Yeah, like, you haven't I played just... any of the Metal Gear Solids, huh? <laughs> no, I haven't, but this is just bizarre, and I'm so fascinated by it. Yeah, I want to really... play it, but I don't want to play 30 hours of a game I'm going to hate <laughs> to get yeah. to 30 hours of a game that I might like. Can can I like wait? Can I stadia into the thirty hour point yeah. where with, the game gets good with with what is it negative lag negative with, latency? Yeah, negative negative latency. latency you don't even need to play you beat it before you play it it's correct <laughs> I do want to say this Verge article talking about Death Stranding the first two sentences are pretty great the most implausible thing about Death Stranding is that it exists at all Hideo Kojima and its writer and director have been saying that he wants to stop making Metal Gear Solid games for as long as he has actually been making Metal Gear Solid games. So, I mean, clearly this is uh, at least a good step for him away from that <laughs> franchise. I mean, yeah, sure. But, I, yeah. I, I'm personally convinced that this is akin to, say, like, the prequels, right? Like, you take a, an auteur and you let him off his leash and don't give him an editor and you get something like this that uh, is going wants. to be mixed at best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, from from what I've heard, it's just like him very much up his home. But like, 
Like the, he names characters in this game like Die Hard Man. God, and then at, at certain points you'll get like a 45 minute cutscene explaining why Die Hard Man's name is Die Hard Man, and it's because he's hard to kill. <laughs> I thought it was just oh. a Die Hard film. It's, yeah, it's not easy for him to die. I mean, there were characters in Metal Gear called the Boss and Big Boss. So yeah. you know. There's a girl in this one called Fragile. I wonder what her story is. Oh. Sam Bridges, just, like he bridges America. Uh, well, I think that's actually all we have for our gaming section. So I think we're going to let you guys go. But uh, before you do, I, we, we first of all wanted to say thanks for coming on the cast with us. And also, if you could just let everybody know kind of where to find you guys and, and uh, you know, how often you podcast, that would be awesome. Yeah, so uh, you can find us at uh, uh, some derpsplaygames.com. And uh, our website is not as fancy as your website. It's just uh, a, a feed of the SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash derps talk about games, I believe. Uh, we post every Monday. Uh, we've been doing it, I think, for about as long as you guys have been doing this cast, but we've got more episodes because we do it uh, every week instead of every other week. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, there's other places you can find us, but there'll all be links in uh, in on on the uh, on the website, so I don't, I don't need to fill time with more of that. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for having us. This was yeah, great. it was a great time. I'm going to yeah, go yeah. play American Truck Simulator. <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> Please do. Right. Please do. Speaking of something strange and letting artists just doing their things, have any is, has anybody here seen uh, Jojo the Rabbit? Nah. Uh, that's Taika Waititi, isn't it? Yeah. Close enough. Taika Waititi? Is that how you say his name? Waititi? Taika. Waititi. Taika. Yeah. I always forget yeah. his first name. Um, it, it is also on that same line of, I don't know how that got made or who greenlit the idea of just kid with an imaginary friend that's Hitler. Sure, make mm -hmm. a movie out of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I want to say good, but there's some caveats to this. If you're not about the subject material like as in like if you don't think Hitler? taika is already a funny person this is this is a hundred percent taika watiti humor this is humor that like i i don't want to say it's like highbrow but it's a very niche style of humor and it's a very um niche directing and kind of storytelling that I think that the storytelling is good. I think it's impactful. I think it's a very interesting story about this uh, child coming to terms with the fact that all of the adults around him are lying to him and that there is good in the world and that he was only taught the bad. Um, and so, like, it's a very interesting story and there are some very funny moments, but it's weird funny. Like... It, it, there's for instance there is a scene that it's just like a good four straight minutes of people high hitlering each other which like it just gets funny because they keep doing it and then they're like well what are we up to and then the guy's like well you know i walked in and then we high hitlered the kid and then we high hitlered you and now we're high hitlering this person and like it's it's a funny thing but you have to be on board with that being like a it's the weird funny um, so this is not Thor Ragnarok funny. 
Uh, no, this isn't Thor Ragnarok funny, but it does have some of the same, like, a, a, like the Korg stuff from Thor Ragnarok, I would say is kind of the level that you're at. Does it have some, like, what we do in the shadows yes. type funny? Yes. like that? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if you've seen what we do in the shadows and you liked it, then you'll probably like this. Uh, you also watched uh, Daybreak, not the movie, but the Netflix show, the Netflix series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, am I the only one that has seen this thus far? Would appear okay. so. Is yep. it cool? It seems real freaking weird. Uh, it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off meets the Apocalypse. It's pretty solid. Mm. Um, I I really liked the story of it. I also liked the subversions of the stereotypical bullshit that you expect um and like he kind of like breaks the fourth wall and narrates to the camera a lot and then during some of the episodes other characters will like literally steal the fourth wall break from him and being like no motherfucker this is my story now and then you just like do an episode with that person instead and i was like wow that's like a neat way to like Wait, you, is this it's like a neat way to do that? Is this like uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, like where they're describing their own story? Like, okay, uh, no, no, let's back things up a little bit. So I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm Spider-Gwen. It's so it's it's like that, but you're not all starting at the same point. That it's like they're just taking over the story last, at that point. Yeah, it's just taking over. It's just like, oh, this is what I'm currently thinking and doing, and like this is how I got to where I am. Um, and I also think that like a lot of the characters are extremely well done. Um, there's a lot of parts of it that I was like, wow, this is either really good representation of this kind of thing in uh, inside of a show, uh, or it's just stuff that I was really just taken aback by of just being like, this is a really cool way that they handled uh, delicate topics or situations and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is uh, this is great. And I don't know if they're ever going to do a season two, but I sincerely hope that they do because they set it off so well to like having basically the next season written by a different character. Right. I was like, yeah, I want to know what happens not only with the group, but also like this person's story of like what happened in season one and then what they're doing with the group post that point. Like it's just, it's a very fun way of dealing with like kind of that apocalyptic um story and i was really entertained i was laughing a lot by it and i thought it was uh, extremely well done i didn't think it was like boring or like you know already done because we have so many fucking like zombie movies or you know like shows and games about this kind of stuff but it still felt fresh and Mm -hmm. i really appreciated that it felt fresh and i think a lot of that is how they focus on the like kind of the clans that all of the kids end up in after the apocalypse start. So you have like the jocks and then you have the cheermazons and there's like the gaming club. And um, it's just really cool to see kind of like, it's that stereotypical, like, Oh look, you know, high school, it clicks, but like on a lot of roids because it's the apocalypse and they're killing each other. (laughs) The, the, the guy that made this series uh, produced and wrote episodes for Heroes season one, Ooh. just season one. The okay. good season, and the good also season. produced and wrote episodes for Star Trek Discovery. <gasps> wow. Okay. 
Nah, nah, okay. I'll watch yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Sounds pretty good. Fine. Looking at his IMDb real quick. Okay, fine. I'll watch it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the pitch there, Alex. <laughs> uh, speaking of things in like major streaming world realm, I uh, also want to make a couple mentions. Number one, um, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman is out in, in theaters. Uh, <laughs> or <laughs> as Derek would call him, oh, good old Marty. Marty's new film's out in theaters right now. <laughs> But uh, is it cinema? It, what do you mean? Is it cinema? Like, like I just I don't know if his <laughs> movies are really film. Like I, Ooh. I, it just maybe they're just roller coasters about gangsters. You know. I mean, I love his stuff. I did. Is this I a reference know. to our intro and how we reference movies and film? No, no. This is a, a this reference, is a reference to, the, to the Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Marvel being stuff. a dick yeah oh did he oh, say that he did yeah. say that about yeah, yeah. the cinematic yeah 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 he said that uh marvel movies are not cinema which i was like i mean i can get that they're not high art but to call it not cinema is kind of bullshit anything that you put on film is cinema whether it's good or not is a different question i mean the new york post Honestly. has an article titled scorsese is a grumpy old fart and other commentary <laughs> but to be movie, movie film, film and, and cinema yeah. fine we'll don't make a it. lot of sense the, <laughs> the important part so is long. this movie is three hours and 30 minutes long very long That's yeah. very long <laughs> yeah. it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes uh, and people are losing their minds because it's so good however it's only in select theaters right now and then on the 27th it's being dropped on Netflix uh, because Netflix paid them like a hundred some odd million dollars to wow. produce it. So they're getting exclusive rights at that point. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. I uh, also make, wanted to make mention of, uh, I know at least one person in here is a Jack Ryan watcher. No, just you. Alex. Is um, that what we're calling ourselves? <laughs> no, I'm just saying you watch Jack Listen. Is this the we are the Jack Ryan watchers. The we are the Jack Ryan watchers. <laughs> that's uh, a little bit of a creepy. mouthful, but uh, that's the fan base. Yeah, Jim yep. from the office when he's grown Jim up. Jim from the office grows up and becomes a super spy. Yeah, uh, Jimmery. Um, so yeah, like the first season was excellent, and people like came out of the screen and they were like in the room with you. It was so Shut like well filmed. I uh, don't even. It's an inside it. joke that nobody that listens to this will understand. <laughs> <laughs> Not even okay. the people on this podcast That's will understand okay. it. That's okay. It's I'm just me and I'm you. Just stabbing you right now. It's okay. It's fine. So the important part is season two is out. Uh, they fell a little short with expectations in terms of runtime. The first two episodes are like fifty-five minutes. The second or the last six are like only 40, 42 minutes long. So they're a little shorter. But the show is good. It's not as good as season one, but it is still... I mean, Jim from The Office does an excellent job of growing up and being like a super assassin, uh, CIA agent guy. So, you know, if you like that kind of stuff, watch it. Worth a watch. Um, It's good. It's good. Only eight episodes. Uh, So this really quick when I mentioned Mr. Robot is back. the other one I was going to mention. So, yes. Okay. And it's also very good. Like, I'm not going to say a ton about it because it's a lot of spoilers. They just had a new gimmick episode, though, this past weekend. Like, the a season ago, they had a, like, single shot episode. That was the gimmick for that season. This season, they did one where there is no dialogue for, like, the whole episode. It's Everybody's silent. There's one line of dialogue in the very beginning of the episode, and then there's one line of dialogue to end the episode. And that is it. So it awesome. Buffy. It wasn't a good episode. It was. I think okay. it did. There was. Here there. Uh, there was a few. Maybe. 
There was a, a few moments where I was like, uh, okay, you're stretching it. Like, this is totally, there's no way they'd be silent here. But for the, for the gimmick, it works, I guess. Uh, popping out and of, they're popping out of uh, film, cinema, mm-hmm. movie things that are like <laughs> moving, moving picture. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk just real quick about one thing, board games that I'm very excited about. Uh, I just recently found out that they like have formally at this point moved Pandemic Legacy from development into the publisher's hands. So we're at the point where season three is like we're on the verge. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, 2020 they had it at one of the big gaming conventions like major release, which would be Mm-mm, I haven't tried it. I haven't awesome. I'm so pumped. You guys, you guys have never played that, right? Never, never. But you no, never right. tried okay. it. I, I didn't think so. Okay. Looked at what it before. What if they announced it at PAX Unplugged? Oh, I'm going to lose my money. There's no way. They, they're not ready for it. The interview <laughs> that they had with uh, Rob DeVoe. No, not Rob DeVoe. That's um, him. Mm-hmm. He got it. The other guy. Is it Rob DeVoe? It could be Rob DeVoe. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's Rob, Rob DeVoe. DeVoe. <laughs> yeah. The interview that, well, there's also uh, Matt. Matt. Yeah, Lake, you got it. Lecoq? Lecoq? Matt. Whatever you say his name. Mercer. He's the other guy. Yeah, Matt Mercer. <laughs> Anyway, they had an interview with them. They said they'd turn it over, but they're, it's probably going to be 2020-ish. The other thing I wanted to mention, though, is they are doing uh, 2020's Pandemic Survival Season, um, which I don't know if, if we've talked about Pandemic Survival before, but it's it's a tournament version of Pandemic where it's two versus two, but you're still playing the game of Pandemic. So you still have to either win or be the team that doesn't lose. Like, you have to be alive at the end of the game when you lose. Um, oh, Yes, and I'm pretty sure I need to read through the rules again, but I'm pretty sure it's real time. So it's not like turn based. You are playing as fast as you can, and the infection is just spreading based on a on a little timer. Real time, uh, real time board games. I don't get it. I don't know that I'll ever get you it. You love that one about submarines where you're playing. Oh, com- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good in turn based. I can't imagine Man. real time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There has to be some rules that go along with that because I, I imagine people that are decent at pandemic, if it's just a timer that sets off the infection, you just like, all right, move in here. They have, like this a, up, move in here, they have an this official up. set of rules for this and they play on different versions. And this is why I wanted to bring this up is this year they're having a regional qualifier at PAX Unplugged. And no uh. joke, I really want to play uh, because they are doing the Reign of Cthulhu version of pandemic for the oh, base nice. game. Yeah. Um. So, and like, if you play in the regional qualifier, they just, they give out, uh, like these, um, metallic, uh, cultists and, and Shugath. Shugath? Shugath? Yeah. Yeah. Shugath. Shugath. Yeah. They're little minis. So you can get them to replace your, your, that version of pandemic minis for you, which I think is kind of cool. So Caleb, Caleb, I feel like real time wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Cause some people's abilities just don't work like that. Well, like, I guess I, what, if you're playing the medic, instead of picking up all of them at the same time, you, if you're not playing the medic, you just pick them up one at a time. Is that would that be the difference between playing the medic and not the medic? Again, I don't know. The last time I read the rule set Weird. was when it came out last year. I mean, it was at PAX, but it wasn't regional qualifier then. So they, but they do have a very specific rule set for the for the survival. And it feels like the navigator is um, almost useless. Uh, uh, strange. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Anyway, so yeah, PAX unplugged. Uh, a couple of uh, just sort of cleanup notes here that I wanted to mention as we're kind of wrapping up. Speaking of PAX Unplugged, our next podcast is going to be the pre-pup. Ooh. So, wow. Um, Stop playing games with my wait, heart. What are you doing? It? Yeah. 
No. Yes. No. No. It won't no. Be. Two podcasts away. Two podcasts will be. Two the podcasts away will be the pre-pup. So uh, wait, look, but look forward to that. What if we're traveling on Thursday well, to pack okay. unplugged? Yeah, we got to probably won't record then. it on Thursday. Fair. <laughs> Breaking wow. the freaking gosh. Okay. So, don't blame me for this. The pre-pup is going to be happening on the 5th. We will be doing a post-pup on the 19th. And then probably our Wait, Game of the December? Year podcast is going to be... I mean, it could be the 2nd. It could be the 16th. Oh, you're way ahead. Jeez. Are, are we doing no, a no, Game no, no. of the Year podcast? He was talking about, I'm talking about January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh I'm just planning ahead. I'm just planning I mean, ahead. that's only like three podcasts. Yeah, it really is. It's not very far away. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, additionally, a couple other things I wanted to mention... Uh, the Horizon and our, our group of friends is doing a 24-hour stream on the 23rd of this month uh, to raise money for kids in children's hospitals. Uh, the one that we always select is uh, KU Medical here sure, uh, in, in my town want. of my hometown of Kansas City. My hometown? Did I call it my hometown now? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Sure. We'll KU count Medical in Kansas City? Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's um, the one here. What? Well, Lawrence? Uh, well, I mean, they're all interconnected hospital, but I'm pretty oh, sure the, okay. the kids... Uh, hospital is here gotcha um so make sure if you i mean please come watch us donate uh we're, we're gonna have an extra life link here in our in our podcast notes so please uh this is not for us this is definitely for kids um and we just have a blast playing game so come watch come donate it'll be fun we already have um, someone that donated so like hey nice already nice. working that's, that's our good. way up there okay trying to good. what's our what's our goal this year uh, it's 1500 it's been a thousand for the last two years and we've made it so we're we're kind of upping the ante this year um, additionally, we just had our first book club podcast come out and Alex, do you want to mention Ooh. that since you kind of ran it? Sure. Um, yeah, so we're going to be doing a book club that will, will release the podcast the first of every month. It's called expanding horizons. That's what's um, called? expanding horizons. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's will feature various members of some people on here maybe some people you haven't heard of um it'll kind of shift in and out depending on who's read that month and we're going to announce what we're reading for the next month at the end of every podcast so you can read along if you would like um but yeah look forward to those fancy uh additionally we just released uh on monday we released our episode two of the community cast and owen you can kind of talk about that since you kind of ran that bad boy yeah, uh, Buddy, who was on the podcast earlier with us, uh, is part of the gaming community. He is a community manager for Akupara Games. And so I sat down and talked to him about his time there as well as his time with Square Enix. So if you'd like Weenix. to kind of hear more about how uh, games are made or how they stay afloat after the games have been released, uh, check it out. It's officially a series. We've made it. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget, go pick up Death Stranding so you can play the best walking simulator <laughs> on planet Earth. Um, and make sure you check back in in two weeks. We'll be back again with another episode of The Forecast. We'll catch you next time. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Jake John Fetterkyle, Caleb Juno, 
Owen Patterline, and two guests from another podcast, Some Derps Talk About Games, who joined us this week for a crossover cast. We also did a podcast on their show on Monday, so make sure you check that out. You can check out their podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash Some Derps Talk About Games, so a special thanks to them. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. Again, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah.